Hi, welcome back to another edition of the Spike Bar Podcast. So after uh, a somewhat of a hiatus uh, over the last six months, the podcast has returned. Um, uh, perhaps a little, little bit of context to why I went away. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, my day job got in the way. Uh, awful lot of uh, stuff going on in uh, in my work world, which kind of just prevented me from having enough time to get going. Um, and then I think um, over the last couple of months, I've been thinking about how I'd like to come back to the podcast and I enjoyed doing kind of the weekly podcast but that required a fair bit of um, work to kind of just prepare and get get it all ready and uh, as I say with 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 work it just wasn't proving uh, uh, able to get it get it in my diary each week in the family life etc um, plus I really enjoyed doing some of the interviews um, that I did uh, over the past sort of 18 months or so and I want to do more of them moving forward and I definitely will do more of them so apologies for it being so quiet uh, over the last six months uh, but I'm definitely keen to get back into it I'm going to try and manufacture time in my week to make sure that I uh, I get uh, certainly a weekly podcast out in terms of um, particularly for the big events that are coming up over the next uh, few months and the run up to the Masters um, uh, but I think moving forward as well I'm keen to add to the content too and just perhaps have some more interesting content interviewing people in the world of golf uh, given there's so much going on uh, be it on the tech front um, be it on with the Premier Golf League and where that's going <clears throat> plus coaching and so on in general just I think the game's in a really interesting space at the minute uh, certainly for a golf geek um, like myself there's loads loads to uh, to get into so um, without further ado I mean as I say it took me a little while to get back into it but I think just all of the headlines that were happening over the weekend. I just thought I've, I've got, got to crank one out for uh, for this week in terms of um, obviously the all the stuff that's been going on with Patrick Reed over the last few months. Um, him winning at the WGC in Mexico, Chapultepec. Uh, I mean, fair play to him. He was uh, phenomenal. I don't think you can um, you can deny how well he played, or certainly how well he putted. I think I saw he. Uh, so historic putting. I think he, he had nearly 12 strokes gained on the rest of the field with his putter and 45 one-putts. I was fascinated watching him the last couple of days. I saw most of the coverage Saturday, Sunday. He seemed to be in the wilderness, in trees, in bunkers, off the tee, shocking off the tee, but he just kept, he just kept getting birdies or kept getting up and down from everywhere. Um, short game is just phenomenal. I think... Um, with a course like that, where short game obviously comes out, he, he just he was phenomenal, deserved the win. Um, however, with that win, there comes with a tinge of um, unsatisfaction, I think, from the golf golf public and certainly social media public. I think Twitter nearly burnt down on the, on Saturday, Sunday, and this was obviously in the week after his um, uh, somebody um, Peter Costis, who's on this, who used to be on the CBS coverage, uh, basically. Uh, went on another podcast, the No Laying Up Guys, back end of, uh, I think it was last week sometime, and said look, he's seen him cheat on at least four times, or sorry, improved his lie at least on four separate occasions um, over over recent years. So, yeah, the fact all that's going on in the background, he's able to put it away, put it to one side and, uh, and just play as well as he did. I think, again, kudos to him, but it doesn't leave a good taste in the mouth. And I I'm sort of sitting here thinking, are we blowing it all out of proportion? Um, as golf fans, I know sort of golf is very much a gentleman's sport and that's not in the spirit. Um, but I th- I'm part of sort of coming around to the idea that actually I think the PJ Tour is to blame here. Um, needs to take a lot of the blame for um, some of the crap that, that Patrick Reed is having to take because I think that if he doesn't do himself any favours and he's got his bunker mentality anyway, but 
the fact the PGA Tour never really did anything in terms of punishment other than two shot penalty for uh, for what he did at the Hero. Um, I just I just don't think it was enough. I think they needed to do more of a discipline, but. That leads on to something else I'll talk to talk about a bit later on about the Premier Golf League. I think that's where the PGA Tour really needs to just sometimes set an example and the right example. I know he's a big player, but um, and one of kind of the, the best players in the world, clearly. But I think sometimes you need to make an example of someone, uh, whether they did it um, on purpose or not, and that's all subject to uh, whatever side of the fence you're on there. Um, but even still, it's a uh, it's a messy situation. But I think it's the PGA Tour's making to a certain degree. Um, but anyway, I mean, in terms of his result, just a good result, and what a great field! It was a great a great final couple of groups. You had the villains in Deschambeau and uh, and Reed fighting for it, and then you've got JT, Rory, Ram, and Eric Van Royen who had a great weekend. So congrats to Van Royen on his best performance in a WGC uh, himself with a tied third. Really disappointed with JT. Had a shocking final day. Um, just didn't just didn't have it on the final day, which is a shame. And uh, Bryson Bryson played pretty well all week. Just had a couple of patches where he he just sort of fell off the ball a little bit. A couple of bogeys in a row on Saturday put him back, and then he stormed into contention on uh, on Sunday afternoon, only to three putt the 18th. So um, uh, it would have been interesting to have seen the playoff there between uh, between those two about who people would have wanted to to have won that. Um, and then Rory, I mean, again, Rory just had another good week, brilliant start, uh, brilliant first round, and then was kind of very average for the rest of the week. Never really got it going, um, but uh, you can't you can't deny that man is in some unbelievable form in his six events he's played this year. The worst he's finished is fifth. I think he's had five. Uh, he's finished fifth, fifth, third, fourth, won an event and finished third. So he's uh, he's the man of the moment and well deserving of uh, of world number one. Um, but I think kind of the biggest news of the weekend for me, or certainly something I was more interested in, is kind of my little golfing crush really at the minute. And that's Victor Hovland um, winning the uh, Puerto Rico Open, which was the other PGA Tour event that was going on this week. Um, I mean, he's just an absolute stud. Uh, I just think he's he's so refreshing for the game. I think it's always interesting when somebody coming from not within kind of the traditional golfing landscape comes in and does well. Um, you've got uh, Yakin Neiman, um, the Chilean, who who also won on the tour recently, um, coming in from a completely non-golfing nation. So you know, Victor Hovland winning the Puerto, Puerto Rico Open, which I think will be the first of many. And I, I predict... You know, him like his fellow collegiate stars and Colin Morikawa and uh, Matt Wolf, who both uh, won. Um, in fact, all three of them have won within nine months of turning pro from collegiate sport, um, from college golf. So, fairness to all three of them, they're all going to be studs, and I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them are major winners moving forward. But I think, yeah, with Hovland, he's just. He's, he's almost he's robotic with with driver in his irons. I mean, as he as he said at the weekend in his interview afterwards, I I suck at chipping. I'm gonna to have to work on my short game. I think that's after he duffed. I think um, two or three chips on the way to uh, uh, recording a triple bogey in his final round. I will caveat that he also had a chip in for an eagle uh, about three holes later. So he doesn't suck too much at chipping. But I I just think his honesty. He plays with a smile on his face. He's got a great game. Um, He's just someone to look out for, and I think he's going to be very much um, someone to to have 
uh, in the back of your mind for the back end of this year with the Ryder Cup because I think he's making that team. I think if he doesn't make it on points, um, I would be surprised if he wasn't picked even as a rookie. I think he's that class. I don't think he'll fear anybody. Uh, the fact he won uh, the US Amateur uh, match play in in 2018 shows his match play credentials uh, where he stormed through um, to, to win that a couple of years ago. So he's definitely one to look out for for the rest of the year and I think this will be the start of um, one of many victories. Although I will caveat that with, um, I did hear a stat that whoever has won the Puerto Rico Open has never gone on to win another PGA Tour event and that includes the likes of uh, Tony Finau. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's uh, that's not a curse that will stick to him. I don't think it will do, um, but certainly it'll be interesting to uh, to watch his career pan out. And, and congrats to him, and, and long may that continue. Um, other bits of kind of more recent news to, to just pick up on over the weekend: um, Charles Howell the uh, third, the most con- well, the second most consistent man in world golf has surpassed $1 million uh, for the 20th straight PGA Tour season. The only other person to have done that is Phil, who's on 24 uh, straight seasons of $1 million plus in career earnings, um, in season earnings. I um, mean, the man's just a phenomenal machine. He didn't have a great weekend in Mexico, but again, he's had a good a good fall series, um, setting himself up for another uh, run at uh, getting to the Tour Championship at the back end of the year, so congrats to him. Um and before I get on to the Premier Golf League, I mean, obviously we're in a Ryder Cup year. This year it's out at Whistling Straits. Um, I quite fancy Europe to do quite well um, this year, and I definitely fancy them given some of the form that uh, the cream of European golf is is in at the minute. I think you've got Rory and Rahm, who are just obviously one and two in the world at the minute, um, just playing some phenomenal golf. Uh, Rahm is seems to be getting his temper more and more in check. Um, and just, I mean, like Rory, his his form at the minute is ridiculous. He's had seven top 10 finishes in his last eight events, including a couple of wins. Um, so they're both of them, week in, week out, are putting themselves up there. And I think they'll be, they'll be the base uh, with which the rest of the team will be um, fit around come uh, come September. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about where the game is at and I don't think and that's not to denigrate the, the Americans because they're looking phenomenal as well um, I think it'll be a really exciting uh, Ryder Cup and certainly build up to the Ryder Cup with all these young stars coming through too so long may that continue um, I suppose the biggest news that's really hit the golf world in the last couple of weeks is the Premier Golf League um, I might perhaps do a different a separate podcast going into a bit more detail on that um, uh, but I think kind of my first and in fact, one thing I should say is that if you don't know much about the Premier Golf League, the first thing I would suggest you go and do is uh, go and download Rick Shields' podcast with um, with Andy Gardner. Uh, Andy is the CEO of the Premier Golf League and Rick um, spoke to him for about an hour, an hour and 20 minutes um, about you know what it is and why they're doing it and what's the reasonings behind it. I think if you kind of just flicked in and flicked out of kind of social media and a couple of other um, sort of articles that have been written about it, you might come to an opinion pretty quickly. I think, you know, from my own personal perspective, change is always difficult, Uh, particularly in a sport whereby 
you know they're it's inherently conservative anyway and i think given the amount of money involved uh is very conservative and very reactionary um and what they're proposing is quite um revolutionary and it will dramatically change the way that golf is and i know rory's already ruled himself out but i do wonder having listened to that other podcast today whether there is some merit to certainly exploring further discussions and and if nothing else hopefully shaking up uh, the pga european tours um, enough to just invoke a bit of change and make the product that we see as as consumers um, of the content and of people who go to these events just make it more appealing to us i think kind of one of the most important things that came out of the discussion was they really looked at Week in, week out, we want to see the best players in the world play against each other. And you can't guarantee that week in, week out, unless it's the majors. And that's why the WGCs came into effect. But even now, as we saw last week, half of half the top 10 didn't bother turning up to WGC Mexico. Um, and, you know, basically what the concept is, is 18 events, um, 48 players, 18, 48 of the best players in the world, 18 events. There's a team element to it. And there's a kind of a whole gambling and fantasy golf element to it that will come in and again i'll go into it more detail in a separate podcast but i think the concept is really interesting but basically it's about we want to get the best players in the world playing more regularly against each other so we can start to see whether there's rivalries because quite honestly there isn't really any real rivalry out there and any rivalry sort of a little bit um it's all blown out of proportion there isn't there isn't really that kind of Rafa Nadal and Federer or Djokovic and Murray or um, that type um, rivalry or, or certainly the sport rivalry that you would get from a team perspective etc so I think the concept is interesting whether it's executionable I don't know um, as I say I'll go into it in a bit more detail but I think it's a really interesting concept and one that will hopefully um, I don't know, lead to either if it comes to fruition then great and I'll be interested to see how that happens and how that impacts the majors they say it won't and the Ryder Cup they say it won't but they will have implications and what those implications will be positively or negatively it'll be interesting just to see how it plays out uh, and see you know what other players because we haven't really heard too much other than Rory saying I'm out everyone else is saying they're evaluating it so just be interesting to, to just watch that over the coming uh, weeks and months um, so that in a very brief nutshell is what's been going on the last six months so there you go um, oh the other topic has been going on is rolling back the ball and and all that kind of stuff I, i'm so on the fence with it as amateurs i think we could do with all the help we can get we don't really want the ball to be rolled back i kind of get it from the pro game because they're you know some great courses have become obsolete because they just hit the ball too far and as we saw last weekend i think um justin thomas hit a drive that went 459 yards i mean i know it's at altitude and all the rest of it but i mean that's still insane something needs to be done I don't know what it is I I don't have the answer and I don't have the answer for how it's going to affect us as amateurs but um, I think certainly you know I like playing some of the better golf courses and some of the more sort of traditionally um, important golf courses particularly Lynx golf courses um, and it's a shame that they have become obsolete because the professionals can just hit it so far uh, with the technology they've got um, and I think it's a shame because it would be interesting to see them play play those types of courses that are a little bit more strategic and a little less bomb and gouge. But um, 
again I don't know enough to to kind of give a give too hot a take on it I think something needs to be done but what that is I don't know um, there's so many merits on both sides in terms of the arguments but something clearly needs to be done because you know from an environmental point of view um, and just from kind of an interest point of view it's it is very intriguing when they play classic courses like Riviera the other week and different styles of golf do very well. It's not always the long hitters. Um, the shorter hitters also play well in those types of courses, so different styles of golf play well. I think right now, unless you hit the ball really far and relatively straight, you're kind of not in the top top 10 in the world and you're not competing in the majors. And that's a shame because I think you know different golfers play different styles and you can win different ways. And I think we should try and encourage that diversity as much as humanly possible. So there you go. I'll um, kick on to the events this week. Um, and I'll start with the PGA Tour. We've got the Honda Classic at PGA National. Um, it's always a great event. Um, it's the second toughest course that they play on the PGA Tour all season. Uh, I think it traditionally plays just over a stroke, I, um, I believe, over par. So it's one of the very toughest courses they'll play. It, it normally, single figures under par wins this uh, wins this event. I think it was eight eight or nine under uh, last year by Keith Mitchell, uh, who held off uh, Brooks Kepka and, uh, and Ricky Fowler uh, by shot um, to, uh, to win his uh, first PGA Tour event last year. And look, going going back to one of the points I just mentioned about Premier Golf League and what the, their concept is, they want the best players to play week in, week out. Well, look, I mean the field is is okay this week, but yeah, certainly um, you you wish that you know, Brooks Kepka's playing and R- Ricky Fowler's playing, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Gary Woodland, uh, Louis Tazen. So some good players playing, but you, you know you haven't got uh, Rory or Tiger or JT and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So. Uh, you know, it's a good, it's a good event played on a classic course, and it's a well-known PGA Tour stop, uh, and it always produces interesting golf. And it's got a really tough stretch of holes towards the end, which always throws throws in high numbers and potentially low numbers too. Um, this course is definitely a, a ball strikers course, without doubt. Um, a lot of the uh, sort of mid long irons, in particular, are really important. And I'm going for somebody to win their maiden uh, PGA Tour event uh, this week. And he's somebody who's been perhaps on the... Yeah, he's probably one of the hottest golfers in the world in terms of... Well, he is the hottest golfer in the world in terms of miscuts. And that's Tommy Fleetwood. Um, he's actually a favourite this week. He's actually um, 10 to 1. Brooks is at 11 to 1. Uh, but he's um, Tommy's uh, 32 straight PGA Tour events without missing a cut. And in fact, if you include the European Tour, the last cut he missed was a 2018 French Open. So that's over 600 days ago. Um, so he's not missed a cut in the 2019 or 2020 season uh, thus far. And I think this type of setup, uh, a difficult setup, we've seen how well he does in difficult setups with the US Open over the last couple of years. Um, that I think he'll, he'll do well. And he's been there or thereabouts. He's obviously hovering around the top 10 in the world. Uh, has been now for the last uh, 12 months in decent form. I just fancy he, he's got to get over the line sooner or later. I think if he doesn't get it done this year in winning a PGA Tour event, they'll start to um, start to be some mumbling. He's too he's too talented not to win at some stage. Um, so I'm going for, uh, for Tommy Fleetwood as my winner this week. And it's kind of my sort of top 10 lock. Um, I'll go for the man who won last week, Victor Hovland, uh, 28 to 1. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, like mid irons is the most important um, sort of shot this week, approach play. 
an approach play 150 to 200 yards. Um, the tour leader this season is Victor Hovland, and he's the tour leader by some considerable margin. So, given how well he played last week, um, I just fancy him to uh, to continue that on. I think winning back to back is a bit bit of a steep ask, but I think having a good week. Uh, again, will be interesting uh, for him, and I think uh, for top ten at twenty-eight to one, I think that's um, that's uh, that's good odds for him. I mean, in terms of the others, it'll be interesting to see. I think I'm very keen to see how both Brooks, Brooks Kepka, and Ricky Fowler do. Brooks obviously has not played very well since returning from his knee surgery in the off season. Um, he's been firing shots left, right, and centre. I mean, he called. Uh, Reader cheat himself uh, the other week. I know he's had a bit of um, some social media spat with uh, uh, with um, Deshambo as well over uh, over the Christmas period too. Uh, but he's not been in good form. However, he does play well on tough courses. So um, you know he's won two U.S. Opens and two uh, U.S. PGA's uh, over the last couple of years. So uh, you know he's proven in tough events and he played well this um, here last year, finishing second. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. And I think the same with Ricky Fowler, who's I think just about falling out of the top 20 now uh, in the world. So he's not in a great shape or form, but has always played well at the Honda Classic. He's had five top five finishes over the last seven, eight years. So um, he always seems to feature here. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays. And I think you know one final name I will drop out as someone to see is Justin Rose. Um, again, I mean, he's sort of fallen away. I think he was the man back in 2017, 2018 and, and a bit of 2019. He was just a top 10 uh, machine. I mean, he's still top 10 of the world, um, playing some decent golf, but just not contending as much as somebody of his quality should be. So it'll be interesting to see how he does this week. Um and then the European Tour is obviously back after a week off with the WGC last week. And they're at, uh, in Almuj Golf in Muscat for the Oman Open. Um, it's only a third year the Oman Open has been played. Uh, previous winners were Kurt Kitayama last year, and he's not playing um, this year. He's been playing a little bit more on the PGA Tour um, so far this uh, this season. And Jo Slauten uh, won it in, uh, in 2018. In terms of picks this week, I'm going again for another maiden winner um, on the European Tour, and that's Adri Arnaus, the Spaniard. Um, he's a quality player. I mean, last year in his rookie season, he had three runner-up finishes. He's already had a third-place finish in the Omega Dubai Desert Classic a few weeks ago. I think he's about seventh or eighth favourite, 25-1. to 1. I really fancy him to have a good week this week. Um, and my outsider um, top 10 pick this week, I'm going with somebody that... Um, I've been following for a little while. I, I sort of learned about this guy um, through a, a couple of a couple of mates of mine. Uh, it's a Polish guy called Adrian Meronk. So Adrian's the first ever Polish player um, to play on the European Tour. Uh, he qualified. He got his European Tour card this year by finishing a top fifteen of the Challenge Tour last year. Um, just a super super solid uh, tee to green game. Um, I think uh, you know on the greens, the putting can be a bit streaky, and that's kind of his. I would say his his slight downfall, but I think he's learning on the European Tour, and he learns quickly. Uh, he's got a great game. Um, he finished twenty seventh in the Saudi International a couple of weeks ago in a really sort of solid field, and and particularly over the weekend, he gained on the field um, on both days. So yeah, he did well to make the cut, and then he made some serious strides to finish um, tied for twenty seventh there, one hundred twenty five to one. I think it's a slightly weakened field. Um, he's played in the Mar beforehand. He does well in the Middle East. So I'm just kind of hopeful he has a good week 
um, uh, this week. It'd be really cool to see him uh, keep getting those um, race to Dubai points and, and retain his car for this year. So Adrian Aus to win and, and hopefully top 10 lot being Adrian Meronk. So look, there you have it. Um, first podcast back in uh, in six months. Thank you for those who've been patient. I appreciate I've had a, a number of different messages through different platforms, whether it be um, on social media or on LinkedIn, even just saying, oh, when's the podcast coming back out? So you know, thanks for those who have um, stuck with me and, re- and reached out. And apologies, it's been so long, but I'm looking to get forward to getting back into it now. Uh, always comment. Um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at the Spider Bar Podcast or, or at Ben Swanton Golf. Um, and uh, yeah feel free to reach out any comments um, uh, please do get in touch I'm always keen to kind of uh, uh, yeah engage your audience as much as humanly possible and keen to get your feedback about how I can do things better so look, thanks for getting this far and thanks again for the time and for listening and look forward to uh, catching up with you next week cheers